Digital rights are a major issue in many African countries because we're increasingly seeing many governments violate the rights and creating a climate of fear instead of a climate of opportunities. And I believe that as more citizens pay attention and take action, we will be able to see an improvement in the situation across the continent. Geneva Peacecast, a series on solutions from Geneva Peace Week, produced by Interpeace and Fondation Hirondelle. Hello, I'm Jackie Dalton, and with me is Benga Chesson. Benga is the director of Paradigm Initiative, which is a social enterprise focused on digital inclusion and digital rights operating across several African countries. Those include Benga's home country, Nigeria. And let's go straight to the topic of Nigeria and digital rights, because this year, Benga, we saw a ban on Twitter, which yes. was introduced by the government. So tell us a little bit about that and about its consequences. Thank you, uh, Jackie. It's well, the, the ban on Twitter in Nigeria came as a result of many things, you know, that sort of pointed towards it. So before now, uh, there had been sort of indication that government was very much interested in regulating social media uh, because according to them, uh, it was a platform that was used to propagate false information and hate speech, which on the surface you realize is true because we use it for that. Uh, but it sort of fits perfectly into the government's agenda of clamping down uh, on voices that they cannot mute naturally uh, because, you know, they want to control everything. And so when Twitter was suspended in Nigeria, we were not surprised. We were not surprised because government had complained bitterly uh, about the use of social media during the protests, the legitimate protests uh, in October 2020, you know, uh, NSAS protests protesting against police brutality in Nigeria. Uh, and then the president's tweet got deleted uh, by Facebook and by Twitter. Uh, you know, so at that point, we're not surprised. Now as to you, you know, we have to use VPNs for us to have access to Twitter. Uh, it means many businesses have stayed off Twitter because they don't want to get into trouble. Uh, it means that organizations like Prime Initiative and others have gone to court to challenge uh, this, what we believe is an illegal action of government. Uh, but generally, it, it means that Nigeria has joined the number of countries that unfortunately are all, you know, uh, countries that do not claim to be democracies and have taken this sort of action, uh, this like armor on nail action uh, against a social media platform. And in the countries where the Paradigm Institute operates, have you noticed a particular impact in relation to coronavirus? Absolutely. Uh, we, we just actually released a report on our website uh, called COVID-19 and Digital Rights uh, in Africa, looking at eight countries uh, where we've seen governments deliberately uh, doing you know, one of three things. One, either they're collecting more data even though they don't have data protection laws, which means that when something goes wrong, no one will be punished for it. Or uh, they have rolled out massive data campaigns and some of it targeting people who they believe are you know, either opposition voices. Uh, the third thing that we've also seen is that many of those governments want to turn what 
used what was, uh, you know, particularly emergency laws uh, into the new normal. They want to continue to collect data, uh, massive data without, you know, uh, seeking uh, the legal or judicial uh, permission that is required. I mean, don't forget during the pandemic, uh, a lot of people, uh, you know, clearly were so focused on ending the pandemic uh, that, you know, people are, people allowed governments to either create this app or collect this data or do a bit more than they would normally do uh, in, in normal times. But many countries are now extending those, you know, emergency laws into, you know, uh, what will eventually become a post-COVID world. World and they want to turn that into the new normal. So we definitely are seeing a lot of governments taking advantage of COVID-19 uh, as an opportunity mm -hmm. to pursue uh, their, you know, clamp down or anti-rights agenda. And from what you're describing, this will bring huge risks to activists, to opposition, and even to ordinary citizens as well. So let's turn to look a little bit at the solutions now. So what is the work that you're involved in to help mitigate this risk? Uh, the first is to provide information because, I mean, as, as you know, um, if people are not aware of something, then they don't even know when something you know wrong has been done. I mean, we have cases across various African countries where people do not even believe that there have been violations because they don't, for example, uh, believe that they have anything to hide. Uh, so even if their data is abused, they're like, well, it's one of the prices to pay. So one thing we keep doing every year is to provide information on what is wrong and what is being done by governments that shouldn't be done. Uh, we publish what is called LONDA. Um, it's our annual report on digital rights. Last year for 2020, it covered 20 African countries. And of course, we know that nobody is going to read 20 reports uh, available in English, French, and Swahili, uh, multiple, a few hundred you know, pages. So we've turned that report into a short film uh, called Focus, which uh, will be publicly available on the 20th of October uh, this year, 2021. So the first thing we do is to make information available. We have uh, IETA platform, uh, you know, it's got games, it's got a website, it's got a toolkit, uh, IETA.Africa, A-Y-E-T-A.Africa. And what that does is it allows people to learn, you know, things about password protection, things, things as simple as password protection, uh, to things about, you know, uh, organizations they can talk to when there are, you know, security breaches and things like that. We've teamed up with about 30 you know, organizations across the continent of Africa uh, to work on what we call Reporti. Reporti is R-I-P-O-T-I uh, dot Africa. Reporti means report in Swahili. And what we ask you to do is to go to that platform and report any violations they are aware of. And then on the back end, uh, either Paradigm Initiative or any of our, you know, 30 odd partners will then take up the case and help you move from just reporting the issue to uh, seeking redress and, and getting justice. That sounds really interesting and exciting, Benga. And as you say, um, you, you do a lot of reports on the situation, describing the problems, but making that information accessible and even enjoyable to consume is really an, an important part of getting it out there. Yeah. The digital world and notably social media has had very bad press in recent years for really mm -hmm. spreading hate and instigating violence. So everything from 
misogynistic trolling that we see to the atrocities committed against the Rohingya in Myanmar that were exacerbated by posts on Facebook, um, the Capitol Hill riots in the US. How can the online space be used to play a more positive role and perhaps serving as a space for people to share their views and raise concerns and to unite, but in a way that is constructive and nonviolent? You know, what we reward will grow. Uh, and and that's, that's one of the unfortunate things uh, that social media uh, needs, platforms need to do better. Uh, you know, at the moment, there are, you know, bubbles that are encouraged either through advertising or the way that social networks are built. Let's not forget that society is a reflection, I mean, as online spaces are a reflection of society itself. So many of the aids that we see propagated online is because there's so much of it already uh, offline. And I think what social media can do uh, in that case is to highlight and promote uh, some of the you know, best practices that we see. Because I mean, what people see uh, is often an indication of what they believe is possible. Uh, we have many examples of things that have gone wrong uh, in Myanmar, uh, in the United States, and in many you know, African countries. But we also have examples of things that have gone right. Uh, we have examples of you know, solidarity movements that have been built thanks to social media. These are things that social media platforms need to pay a lot more attention to and also highlight so that we can see that you know, these are positive users. I mean, they know these things, they know, they know of use cases uh, and the use cases that you promote uh, are some of, had some of the best examples uh, that, that people will see. And I think that um, the, one, of, one of the best ways to do this you know, is to also you know, have a community of people who sort of you know, create standards amongst themselves. And this is where regulation is a conversation I'm always very careful about. When governments come in and say, we want to regulate one bang bam, uh, I, I worry a lot. Uh, but when you talk about regulation as creating standards, so that the users of the platforms can know to reward those who use it positively uh, and maybe ignore or not give air to uh, those who use it negatively. It's going to be a long journey. And the reason for that is because social media is always a reflection uh, of what happens in, in society. There's a big gap between those who have access to the digital world and technology and those who don't. Mm. And I think the coronavirus pandemic we saw exacerbated that with people increasingly moving online for work, uh, for education. Yeah. And those who weren't already online were being left behind even more. And so inclusion is an issue that Paradigm Initiative works on as well. Can you describe a little bit about what you do and what you've learned from that? Yes, you're right. I mean, uh, 2020, when the lockdowns happened from about March uh, until June, July, um, was when everyone had to go online. And our work at Paradigm Initiative for many years uh, had been to tell many African governments, and also, you know, we built programs to demonstrate what's possible. Uh, we have a 10-week program that connects young people who have just left secondary schools or high school you know, to ICT education so that after 10 weeks, they can improve their chances at, you know, um, getting jobs, they can improve their chances of earning and improve the lives of their family members. And, you know, we've made a case to say that what we do 
can be scaled by government. Uh, and we we're very worried for a very long time that access and bridging the digital divide wasn't a major priority uh, for many governments. Well, last year I described, you know, the kind of terrible, um, you know, missed opportunities that, you know, that, that the whole world suffered. Uh, so you now have a generation of young people who literally lost a year of learning uh, because while their colleagues were online learning, picking up new skills, learning about adaptability, they were offline, not learning, forgetting what they had learned and developing inferiority complex because their friends are learning, they are not learning. And so there's all of this, you know, you know, challenges. So I think that if, if the COVID-19 pandemic does not reset our attitude towards inclusion, if we don't learn that uh, at this point, I'm afraid we're probably never going to learn it. And what excites you most about the digital world? Citizen power. <laughs> I'm okay. so glad. I'm so glad to see that even in countries where, you know, governments are clamping down and are really being brutal with citizens, a lot of citizens are finding spaces online uh, to not just express themselves, but to network uh, and to continue to promote the true um, contest of ideas that democracy you know, should attract. Uh, so I'm very excited about you know, the power that comes with the democratization of ideas. I'm very excited about the power that comes uh, with you know, cheaper and faster devices. Uh, with more processing power that will get into the hands of people at much less cost. So continuing then in an optimistic vein, to end this conversation, I would love to hear from you. What are your top ideas or recommendations for what needs to be done to strengthen digital rights and digital inclusion? Okay, uh, so I think the first is what uh, has been described by many as a coalition of the willing. Uh, there are many countries across the world that, you know, sort of speak to supporting rights because supporting rights is good for the economy, is good for, uh, you know, improved livelihoods and things like that. I would like to see an expanded coalition of the willing, um, you know, countries that, you know, make it look good. Uh, to support citizen rights. Uh, I know there are a few coalitions. Uh, there's the Freedom Online Coalition uh, of about 30 plus countries, uh, but mostly from the global north. I would like to see a lot of African countries uh, and you know, South, South American countries and East Asian countries uh, join that so that as a group, uh, those countries can demonstrate the positive value uh, of supporting rights and the net effect or, or on the economy. And that's that's one. I, I, I love the you know to see you know, uh, governments and institutions create a, you know, a relay process of getting a lot more people empowered and connected to the internet. Uh, and a good thing for governments is that the more people you give that kind of access to, uh, the more innovation uh, opportunities, the more business opportunities that are created, and the more revenue that, it, you know, that the countries get. Uh, so I, I would love to see the ripple effect uh, of connecting uh, a lot more people. And the good news about connecting more people is when they get connected, they see what's possible, uh, and they also continue to demand uh, you know, their own rights because they see what's possible you know, in other places across the world. So um, I look forward to, to you know, these things happening and to a lot more positive news, uh, especially from my dear continent, Africa, over the next few years. 
I'm Jackie Delton of Fondation Hirondel. I was talking to Benga Chesson, Director of Paradigm Initiative. Thank you very much, Benga, for sharing your wisdom. Thank you so much for having me. Geneva Peacecast, produced by Interpeace and Fondation Hirondel.